getting this uh, getting this over to you as soon as possible. You haven't. Yeah. I don't know why it was before. Maybe it was the time where we'd finish and then <clears throat> we'd have to, uh, I'd have to head out and do something maybe. But anyways, yeah. it's right in front of me and it's ready to rock and roll. All right, guys. Welcome back to the Fitness in Philosophy podcast. My name is Robbie Gustin and I'm joined by James Fitzgerald. James, how are things going today? Things are great. Thank you. All right, guys. So today we're going to be talking about geography and fitness. Um, it might have a, uh, James and I were joking about a potential different title on iTunes. We'll see if we can uh, do a clickbaity title. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, you, you might, you know, you might wonder how, how did the two relate? How, how are they intertwined philosophically? So today we're going to talk about um, differences, obviously, in the practice of fitness in, um, you know, different cultures and societies, but more importantly, you know, the, the philosophy tie-in is going to be like, what is, what does that mean? Does that have any yeah. bearing on anything? Um, yeah. You know, the fact that there's, as we'll talk about the fact that, you know, the German language is more guttural and literal and uh, the French language is more uh, lofty and, you know, uh, has vowels and letters that don't get pronounced. Does that have any bearing on anything? Eh, I don't, I don't know. You know, it's a historical curiosity. It's interesting, but like, doesn't really bear much on anything. It, may, it makes three, two, one go sound differently everywhere. Ex exactly. Exactly. <laughs> but beyond that, I don't know that there's too I mean, much. Should we really go or should we like just, just seep into it? Or do we like really want to go, you know, different, different languages and providing different responses. It is really like I, I had to study German for a certain to a certain extent, like when I was uh, studying Kant uh, for my dissertation. And like, it is interesting how like German is just like so like, like imagination is Einbildungskraft. Like it is, it's like so literal, like building an image, whereas like in other languages, you know, it's a different thing. So that there are interesting questions there about like, where does that come from? But ultimately, it's like difference in language, difference in food. Does it matter? Yeah, aside from speaking it and tasting the new food, not really philosophically, but this, you know, this this could bear on certain things about um, what does it mean to engage in fitness. What what can we learn about what's common among these all all these different geographical areas uh, in terms of how they engage in fitness and what's what's different and what can we draw from that? Yeah, I think one thing that uh, we just kind of made some assumptions on is that language is going to be very closely attributed to geography not saying we're not going to have that come up through our conversation today but i do want to maybe you know take it beyond language if language wasn't the only thing that's necessarily unique amongst each of those areas well then what is unique to fitness outside of that area of language but you also made me think that we probably do need to you know pull language over to itself and fitness global language and fitness and maybe do our own research on some interesting stuff we could pull in here that has an impact on fitness. I know one I can think about right away, which we won't go off and not get outside of geography on, but is a uh, fitness education. So the competency of fitness coaching, you know, it could be based upon how information is presented and how that is like spread amongst individuals. Right. So 
maybe, you know, maybe the way that I say maximal aerobic power, the way that it's, you know, brought into Portuguese language, let's say, you know, it could be, it could spin off for 20 years of meaning something completely differently. Do you know what I mean? So I think that, you know, language may be a separate conversation all by itself that I don't want to, you know, say is the, uh, is the biggest connector here for geography. Oh yeah, totally agreed. And that, I mean, that's a good point is that, so, I mean, that, that was just one example of like, I mean, geography, yeah. we can bear on food or language or religion, but language yeah. is one where it can, obviously there's Spanish in Spain, but there's Spanish in South America and, you know, yeah. it, it, it transcends geography to a certain extent, whereas, you know, fitness, it, it's interesting. It, it can be more intimately tied to geography. Yes. It, it, can, yeah. it can spread, of course, but um, no, I think that's a great point. And yeah, I was, just as you were saying that, I was wondering, like, could, you know, maximum uh, aerobic power, maximum aerobic, I guess, power, yeah, should, or potential, could it be translated as like despotism or tyranny and just take on like a, <laughs> that last little letter, take on a totally little, I was like, what? <laughs> Whoa, what? that's not what we meant. That's not what we all want to be aerobic, right? They're like, no. <laughs> Wait, what? Yeah. That's what that you were is- saying the whole time? Yeah. <laughs> We thought it was like a North Korea thing. So. <laughs> OPEX North Korea, it's going to happen. We say it more often than not. I'm telling you, it's just going to show up. Um, yeah, no, also uh, culture will, will, will drop in here also, you know. And I think we've had indirectly or directly, Robbie, some culture and fitness conversations. Yeah, I mean, we uh, haven't had like yeah. an explicit episode about it, but we've, we've definitely talked about yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah, it's been in uh, the, it's been in the, our language. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like, especially for the evolution episode, but it, I think that it also brings up another really excellent uh, point, which is that language, food, culture, religion, like all those things, you know, sometimes there's kind of a discussion about, uh, you know, this cultural divide as soon as agriculture gets started 10,000 years ago geography is uh is kind of reductive but science biology nature like out there Mm -hmm. you know irrespective of whether you know there's culture surrounding it or not so it's kind of like that 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 is there's something interesting to that it's something that the mountains are there and it's cold yeah yeah culture speaks about it or not yeah Uh, so that that is an interesting um connection there yeah no i i thought about um somewhat of a less intense topic, but imagine there was this massive, more clearly uh, uh, visible divide between healthcare in North Dakota and Manitoba in Canada. You know, I mean, like there's two kilometers difference, right? 2000 meter difference between these two areas, but let's just say you went over that quote unquote border, right? Even if it was a wall or whatever it was, a stream. Canada, U.S., Canada, U.S. <laughs> um, I don't know why I find that humorous as if, as if like, it's, it's kind of like, ha Are you doing that at some point? Ha-ha. Like jumping side to side and be like, I'm here, I'm there. <laughs> I'm there, I'm here, I'm there. Um, you know, so, but just imagine a massive divide in, you know, people's perceptions where, you know, you walk into town in Manitoba, say, for example, everyone's like, oh yeah, like, fitness is free and everyone knows this is what you can do. You know, I'm just trying to think of the healthcare perspective. It's not necessarily the case, but just like that. And then in North Dakota, it's like, Oh no, no, it's inside of these institutions. And 
these institutions hold the key to, you know, giving you the ideas to kind of prevent, you know, disease and all this other. And, you know, I mean, that's just two, two kilometers away. Right. Right. But that's what we're talking about today is like, there is, there is, there is like science, i.e. material borders, right. That makes that differentiation. And that's what I found. I find, I find it fascinating. I look at this map. I have a huge map up in my office with all the flags at the bottom of the map. Um, I am a fiend for, you know, just going on Google maps and, you know, pinging an area in Italy, you know, and getting at street level and looking around, you know, I have, uh, I mean, that, that has, if, you know, as a, as a child, I would have loved if that was accessible because I always loved maps. I loved topography maps. Um, I always, I always had a huge fascination with the, the size of the planet, the, the, just how big things are and, and found it so interesting, you know, that people in Mongolia and how they live, you know, and et cetera, I just always found that super interesting. So shows when I was a kid of people being in different parts of the world and doing different things, this is my interest of what brings me here today, especially for an area that I'm in, I'm in fitness, I'm in fitness education. I'm super interested in, i.e. what happens at the border between uh, Russia and, uh, and China. You know, and what's the differences in fitness between each of those? And I think there's an interesting conversation in that. Oh, yeah, definitely. And I think um, one of the connections I used to mention to my students between philosophy and travel that I think connects to what we're talking about today is um, philosophy helps open up a series of intellectual possibilities that you just previously didn't realize because you were so enmeshed in your own assumptions and worldviews and what have you from what you were born and what your parents taught you. And it's a very similar thing with, with travel. And I guess now with, with Google maps and other modalities of just like, how do other people live? You know, and you know, they're kind of like, like we said there, as we'll talk about today, there are certain things that are like, okay, that's interesting, but you know, trivial, but it, it's cool to know, but like, but then there are other things it's like, Whoa, you know, uh, like when I lived over in Berlin, for example, I was, you know, they're far more environmentally conscious and, you know, bike lanes everywhere. Uh, everyone bags their own groceries and yet they all smoke. <laughs> just kind of like these all like, wait, what? Mm-hmm. You know, it's just interesting, like very different ways of uh, going about things. And again, some of which you're like, oh, we do it better over here. And other which you're like, oh, no, they do it better over here. And just open your mind and make you start thinking about like there are other ways to go about things and um, different conceptual possibilities. Yeah. And that's what brings us here today is to discuss those differences in it. And if I may, can we start with defining, I think, uh, um, what fitness means today? I'm going to, I'm going to say that I'd, I'd love it if we move it in the angle of the interest that I have inside of it before we get to the point of like, why even look at this whatsoever is sure. that I, I want to classify the fitness concept as movement practices. Really, I want to, I want to, I want to really, because I think I, I have maybe, yeah, I may have uh, some pauses on, or just, just still feel like I want to jump in because of the complexity. If fitness is not really well defined, because we can, we, because we, then I think you might get it. We might get into this like, well, uh, freedom of information, you know. So there's, you know, you know, social media opportunities in China 
You know, we, we can't even then have the conversation because it's like, well, <laughs> it, maybe that's their practices in fitness because they don't have access to this particular options, let's say. So I, I'd rather maybe focus it on a, a material world of movement practices. Uh, I, I would love to, you know, yeah, that's, and, that's I, fine. and I'd like to hear your opinion on what we may miss out if we do reduce it down to that as being the def definition of fitness for today. Um, just to make sure we're going to cover it. No, I think that makes total sense. I mean, you know, in kind of doing some research on different fitness practices, you know, why is Tai Chi, for example, um, why is that, you know, far before there was any internet or any sort of, you know, communist revolution or anything like that? Yeah. Uh, why was that a method of fitness practiced um, uh, in China versus, you know, other places? And um, yeah, I'm totally fine to yeah things in that realm. Yeah, because then we get into, uh, I think, fun stuff, which is inspiring of uh, trying to find that unique thing about humans that they do everywhere and try to extract the principles from all of that. And that's why I was thinking the movement practices as observed across borders and in different geography, I think is fascinating. To your point, you know, uh, I would say as a guest that because uh, I'm just speaking, so I'm cheating on this. So I know. In uh, Northern Finland, I mean, outdoor Tai Chi in the park is not done all the time. So now it does bring in, you know, well, why there? Why is it different? You know, I'm sure they know about this concept of Tai Chi, you know, <laughs> and all of its benefits. There are streams of culture that spin down, but there is something to say about latitude, temperature, um, the environment and the actual land, you know, and where people are. So, yeah. I, I think that's inspiring for people to figure out because then they can come up with, you know, I, for example, I may hold a standard of walking long distances and lifting rocks, right? Maybe I'm in a desert. So, you know, that could be, that could be easy to do. Uh, maybe in Northern Finland, it's uh, doing pushups in your house and then uh, doing cross-country skiing for hours a day. You know, it's like, what, what is your, what you got to work with there? But the principles are still human movement and physical expression, but, in different geographies. <clears throat> right. And then there's kind of this interesting AB split test case where you could also ask like, well, what if you have two places that have similar geographies yes. and similar temperatures and yeah. yet one does such and such practice and the other does completely different practice. Like what, you know, do we look for the commonalities? What are, what's interesting about the differences? So yeah, those are, that's an interesting one too. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Um, yeah. And I think we might be able to, we may be able to pull out uh, a principle from that today, possibly, because we may see that observed in those similar areas and say, oh, this is, this might be the reason why it's different, perhaps. Right. Yeah. Yeah. No, that totally makes sense. Yeah. Okay. So let's talk a little bit about the, the philosophy connection here. So yeah. the first question you might have, and in, in, again, you know, seeing the the topic of this episode, geography and fitness, you might ask, like, why would we even bother asking about this? Is it just interesting historical trivia? Again, not, you know, all of us in our travels and our readings and things like that. Yeah. You know, there's some, there's some cultural differences that are just, uh, oh, they make these kind of bracelets there and they make those kind of bracelets there. And it's like, oh, okay, that's interesting. But again, it doesn't have much bearing. Mm -hmm. Or, you know, in our case where I feel like there probably is something here with fitness, is there some deeper bearing on what our fitness practices should be? So super quick recap on descriptive versus normative. We, we've talked about this in previous episodes, but this is a central thing in philosophy. 
when we talk about descriptive claims in philosophy, all we're talking about is things that tell us facts about the world. So here's an example. Uh, uh, on a daily basis, there are a number of instances of stealing across the globe. That's a fact that can be determined empirically. You can determine that from police reports and just looking out in the world. Normative claims are claims that tell us how the world should be. So uh, if we say people should not steal from others, that's a very different type of claim than people steal all the time. People could still steal all the time. That could be perfectly true. And it could still also be entirely true that people should not steal from others. So um, with regard to fitness, we have this interesting descriptive normative thing with geography and fitness where on the one hand, the descriptive questions are things like, what are the fitness practices of various cultures? And historians and sociologists you know, talk about, well, in Scotland, there's the Highland Games. In China, there's Tai Chi. And for, in Nordic countries, for some reason, there's more interest in, you know, at least today, strongman and CrossFit and stuff like that. And yeah. Africa has some of the best runners on earth. Mm -hmm. um, and then from there, we can ask questions like, are there commonalities, which, which I think we're going to go to today, are there commonalities among these practices that might give us in, insight into what it means to be a human being that engages in fitness? Um, and are the differences in fitness, you know, interesting historical curiosities, or do they reveal something deeper and more meaningful about a people and a culture? Um, and then the normative questions would be, do the differences or commonalities among cultural fitness practices have any bearing on what we should do today? So when we are talking normative, now we're talking not just what are the differences, we're talking is one better or worse? Mm -hmm. Is there something different that should be um, done? So maybe that's a good uh, starting point. I, I, do you want to, I assume people have a general sense of like different fitness practices, but do you want to delve in at all to the descriptive part and just kind of talk about different practices first before we delve into the normativity or how, how do you want to proceed? Yeah, I, uh, uh, I'm not sure. Uh, and I'm sure I could really clearly do that, which would be dive into the descriptive of each of those areas. Um, I mean, I think the ones we mentioned are a pretty good, fair representation. I mean, obviously we know that uh, what was that movie? Cool Runnings, the Jamaican bobsled team. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> there isn't yeah. a Jamaican bobsled team. Yeah. Or maybe there is now. I don't. I don't know. <laughs> uh, but uh, actually, you know what? I take that back. I think there actually might be because I remember thinking it's like a couple years ago at the Winter Olympics, like, oh, Jamaica has a bobsled team now. But I, I think people from watching the Olympics and other things have a general sense for like, oh yeah, uh, the Russians tend to be good at like winter sports, and so there, there's some knowledge um, among that. Um, so I guess that's the descriptive project. I guess from there we can ask, um, you know, what, what do you think that reveals about, you know, human movement practices and, and things like that? Yeah, I think uh, it's simple enough. It may just be that whatever is, you know, local to you uh, may be, you know, the, the thing that people are going to be participating in over time. Um, you know, when, when we start considering like what's, I just think back to Northern Canada, you know, so um, leisure activity in Northern Canada, you know, for a, for a host of people, you know, by saying a frozen pond, 
you wouldn't believe how many activities we could actually do on a frozen pond. You know, it's not just skating around in circles, you know, uh, we can do curling, we can do figure skating competitions, we can have ice hockey tournaments. Uh, you could do a lot of shit on a frozen pond um, if it's big enough and, you know, it's thick enough, et cetera. But you see, that's that's leisure activity relative to that particular location, you know. Um, and then, you know, what is what is leisure activity to a local area here, you know, using the same idea in terms of geography, it's natural based support. You can't control, you know, you can't control the environment like you can't control it in northern Labrador, let's say, where it's going to freeze the pond. And now you have this accessible area for movement, <clears throat> you know, down here, you know, there's vast open spaces, right, where you can do cross country running, mountain biking, etc at the exact same time in sequence as that person could be doing that on an ice pond in Labrador, you know? So I think that, um, and I'm not sure if that's, you know, gonna, you know, allow us to use that as a base support to go around the globe and possibly cover just that. I think it just points out, you know, the, the main thing, the differences in movement expression, you know, across the globe, I find it interesting, you know, I think, indirectly to answer your question uh, that you didn't ask, but that was in the, the loom link that I have down here as to, you know, why even look at this, you know, is the, I think it's, I think it's extremely interesting. Um, I think it, uh, it opens people's back to your point earlier of what I've been told as well as a kid um, that you're, you know, you create heterodox opinion from traveling and reading. Um, and the more and more you read, the more and more you travel, it just kind of just, you know, blows your mind open to possibilities. And if you blow your mind open to possibilities, now, obviously you have a ridiculously positive base support to give people options, right? Why? Because they didn't experience that other opinion or that idea, but you have seen it. Therefore, you know it to be a possibility and now you can speak to it. And how did that come to be? because I traveled around and I read lots of books and I see the differences between all these areas. So I find it extremely interesting. Um, I also think it's important because we can create, to your point earlier, comparisons, like I just did the desert versus Northern Labrador, comparisons and also generalizations of movement practice, right? We can say what's happening in Mongolia at the same time as East Africa, that's interesting, but how, you know, and how is that, how is that beneficial in, uh, in this practice? I think it's just like, what, what, what is similar about those two? And you, you're not going to be able to get to some similarities in that. And hence the importance of this concept or calling movement practice and daily movement practice and all the benefits we know it can yield. Uh, we can't get there if we, if we can't do that comparison and then down further down a generalization, like a generalization, uh, as I mentioned of like the, person in Northern Finland cross-country skiing is the same thing as someone in Ethiopia running at, you know, 10,000 meters, um, you know, on a high desert, super high desert, 10,000 possible. Anyways, it's really high and, uh, and just going for hours, you know? So there, there's some similarities in there. If we can get it. Um, I think also why I look at this, because we sometimes forget that, and I could be saying the same thing, but the temperature and, uh, I don't know if that ties into the interesting concepts of Montesquieu offerings, but right. um, yeah, latitude and temperature does have a big part to play as to how people express themselves physically. 
You know, it does. I mean, I, you know, look at my story. I mean, I quick answer in an elevator pitch of someone who says, oh, you're from Canada. Why in the hell did you move to the desert? Um, it's pretty simple. I just say that big, bright thing in the sky <laughs> and, it, and it allows. And then if they want to have more conversation, I tell them about, you know, uh, the unbelievable opportunity me and my children and my family have for movement. You know, I just really do feel that based upon where we were and how our lives were, we were, we were closing ourselves in on these unlowering possibilities for movement expression. But being down here, I mean, it just you feels like you can be so mobile consistently a lot, you know? So I think that has a part to play with it. Um, why I look at this, why I think it's important also is that we make claims, you know, with this t-shirt of being a global fitness company, uh, when you make comments like that, um, and well, belief that I do have in that, um, you're going to have to get into those areas of knowing the differences in geography across the board as to how people are perceiving this thing that you're talking about to your point that someone in Mongolia could perceive map as being something completely different than what I intended, you know, and I want to make sure it goes in the right direction <laughs> before we get to North Korea. And they're like, CCP, no, <laughs> Say, whoa, 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 it's a coaching education, coaching education, <laughs> coaching certificate program. That's what it stands for. Um, I also think it's important because the perception of this is interesting, you know, and I only gave this language because it's something that we use. Uh, I wrote down third world intentions on exercise. So, you know, we're, we're at a point where, you know, I, I would just take a, a glimpse of a moment in Western US, right? And, you know, anyone just looking through social media uh, of like what we believe to be our exercise practices today and movement practices as to why we do it. I mean, someone who, <laughs> who, and I think of Daniel Lieberman's work on his book called Exercised, went to this uh, uh, tribe in Africa, I believe, and would ask them questions about like, well, what do you guys do for exercise? And they're like, what is exercise? <laughs> do you know what I mean? So, but there is a geographical component to that, you know, and I think the intentions across the borders and around the globe, the intentions are different on this concept of movement practice. And I think it is a, it's a fascinating, um, you know, fascinating thing. And lastly, why I look at this? Um, I'm just seconding what you said. We can come up with, I think then what are better or how would Bernie say it? uh, good, better, best, or better, worse practices of like what, what these, you know, what, what people are going to be doing for movement practice. So I don't know if I uh, answered your question, but I just had a couple of points here that I just wanted to ramble on as to, uh, uh, why we should look at this and the bearing that it does have on what we do. I think it's, I think it's extremely interesting. Yeah, no. And I, I agree. And I think, again, going back to the original question, like there, there are certain things about looking at differences in geography or again, culture is different, but culture is related um, where we might just say, eh, you know, different strokes for different folks, but it doesn't mean much more than that. But I, I do think in the fitness realm, it does teach us quite a bit. And, um, you know, going back to other conversations we've had about you know, why is it that on some, in some cultures on earth, just like you were saying, you know, what is exercise or, you know, with Tai Chi, it's just embedded as part of the day. You know what I mean? It's just like people wake like up, breakfast. they go to a park. Yeah, exactly. Um, they go to a park and it's just like, that's just what you do versus, um, 
it's a leisure time activity or something you have to do to punish yourself for that donut or, you know, something. You or you eat. think that it's going to make you healthier. Right. Um, a very, you know, those differences in attitude by themselves, um, you know, are, are interesting facts about different uh, peoples and cultures and geographies, but they can bear on how we ourselves view our own fitness practices and what are the more ideal ways of um, going about things. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's the, uh, you know, the comparison around it. Uh, you know, we could take a stab at it as, as, as a starting, you know, to tiptoe into there without being experts on it. Right. Like, I don't know what someone's doing on Bondi beach. If it's daytime in Australia right now, if it's even called Bondi or Bonsai, Bonsai beach. Anyways. It's Bondi. Um, Bondi. Bondi. Yeah. Um, which is, is is like an extremely the word that i describe it is awe you know because when I've, I've i've been there twice and uh i remember the first time with my my colleague scott at the time who was the host for what we were doing there for education <clears throat> i mean it's complete awe that's the only way to describe it if for for me stepping into that area and we hiked around the whole thing and hiked around the side neighborhoods and went to some art exhibits along the couple of streets up and sat in this coffee place to try to stay awake because I was adjusting the time and had this unbelievable breakfast. I remember looking out, you know, and then this is all pulling into the movement practice experience and the differences in geography is that, you know, it's, it's a well-accepted thing that, uh, you know, I saw a bunch of these little kids, which just in my mind, they were like three or four years old. And like, there was like a group of 12 all in a line and they were all dressed up like little Baywatch individuals, just doing these little drills on the beach and going in and out of the water and stuff. And, and Scott said they were, there's some name for them anyways. They're like, you know how the Australians have these unbelievably great, like one word names for everything, skimmies or Jimmies or Billies or whatever is like, yeah. you know, whatever they had for that. And I was like, what the, what the hell is going on? But the way that he discussed it was like, this is a well-accepted movement practice, right? It's a well-accepted movement practice. There's, like, there's no flinching. It's like, oh, this was what you do as a three or four-year-old. You take this thing in your hand, you learn how to be a lifeguard, and you learn how to um, you know, uh, appreciate nature, right? Which is the water and its veracity and you know, uh, the, the safety around it and, and how to be in the water and out of the water and do stuff with the water, et cetera. Like, to the extent they were there for like a couple of hours. My whole point being is that, you know, that we got to take into consideration a couple of things. What is happening physical, physically right now, you know, and the age and et cetera. And then why is that particular to that, to that area? Right. And then how does it tie in and be different than Perth or the Gold Coast? Right. Or, you know, let's say the, you know, Huntington Beach right now, as an example, right. Huntington Beach, which, you know, just as a couple of weeks ago has now got rid of the oil spill issues there, but you know, it's, it's not the same. And so do people still surf there? Yeah, they do in both locations, but there's something about the differences in geography, even in that, that I, I think are fascinating um, as to why people are doing what they're doing for those movement practices. Um, and we can go on and on and giving examples of like the North shore of Hawaii or, you know, Cape Town, South Africa. I'm just trying to give you all these like places of, of surfing. And I, I could tell you in North Shore, Hawaii, um, I would call it like a, 
the where that particular kind of movement practice is going to be pushed to its physical extreme. And so therefore the people in that culture there are not coming as like just tourists to kind of figure out what surfing is. I mean, these individuals doing it are doing this movement practice with the intentions of like the deepest intentions of getting to understand this particular, you know, we'll just call it for the word sport, but on a level that's, that's much more, you know, I would just use the word intentional there in Hawaii based upon that, that expression. So I could go surfing in the Bay of Fundy in Canada or maybe some other areas, but it's not the same, you know, and it's not the same. And so even that, I just went around the globe in a couple of different places and it's still called movement practices, but the intentions are different. You know, the intentions based upon it are, are extremely different. And I'm hoping just that could, you know, make people understand that, you know, there's a, there's a shit ton of spots as well that have no access to surf and neither do they care, but um, there's still people doing those daily practices that are same across the board, you know, but have different intentions. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And um, we can talk about football as well, you know, or futsal in South America versus, uh, you know, a a pickup game of, uh, of uh, soccer in uh, UK or Harlow, where I spent uh, a couple of months learning versus, you know, what would be soccer here in Scottsdale? You know, they all look like they're soccer, but they're not all movement practice. You know, they're not all, they're not all steeped with the same intentions as you might think they are. Um, and therefore the differences in the geography, you know, just proves our point of, uh, there's something more to it than just the borders that dictate the, that, you know, that practice. <clears throat> yeah. And I mean, something I, I literally just thought of, as you were saying that, that I think is kind of interesting is what, what if you have a practice, a movement practice that's forged in a particular geography mm. and, you know, kind of has that background and then it, 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 it moves somewhere else, but it, it's no longer that, you know, uh, yeah. that place anymore. Uh, yeah. and, and how does that affect it? Yeah. Well, I think that's what I was getting at. And I, I, yeah. I didn't want to take us on the folly route, but I think you start like, cause it becomes, it turns into Oculus, right. And you're in your living room, like, Ooh, yeah, I'm in Hawaii. You know, it's like, yeah. well, no, you're not in Hawaii, but you, you think you are. So that that's where the practice ends up going. It ends up getting into a virtual area. Now, when I was over here on the, the left side of that continuum, I was saying that Hawaii was the biggest extreme because it push it like pushes the system so hard. But then I used examples which people may not appreciate, but let's just call it like a, a low tide beach in Florida. I don't know. And you got kids trying out surfing. You know what I mean? It's still yeah. there. But to your point, which I wanted to glean from it is that the intentions do change. And I'm not sure if there's anything in there on like your point, which I love uh, your words you used on it was like, it's, it's almost, uh, did you say built in or it's like, it's, it's grounded. Uh, grounded. Yeah. Like, gosh, so much, so much uh, good shit in that um, with regards to, you know, let's go similarities, uh, snowshoeing in Northern Finland, you know, it's like, probably a daily practice of like getting from one spot to the other. And we're like, Oh, do you have your heart rate monitor on to see exactly what your output is? They're like, no, I'm just going to (laughs) look at my traps or something traps, meaning, you know, there's a good, there's a good meme um, right there. (laughs) Oh, Brandon Gilson in that one Uh, traps in Finland are different than traps (laughs) with Oculus in North America. 
um, no, your, your animal traps, you know what I'm saying? So they go out like, you know, kilometers and kilometers in the cold and they don't give a shit about that. To your point, it's ground, like that movement practice is grounded in, you know, just the, the lifestyle because of the geography, like a small aspect of it is because of the geography. And I find that, uh, I find that wonderful, you know, the running example we had given before, right. Running in Africa or walking long distance, carrying something in, in parts of Africa still. And, uh, and then just reflecting back to North America and looking around with electric cars and porcelain toilets and, you know, um, and the opportunity to have electric bikes. We got to get sponsored there it by is again. a bike company. There it is again. <laughs> James' favorite fitness device of all time. <laughs> it's not a motorcycle. It's an electric bike. <laughs> no. No, it's a motorcycle. Uh, no, you're not pedaling. Um, no, but it's, it's yeah, it's 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 interesting. Like, so I uh, grew up in Southern California. Lived for a few years in Huntington Beach. Probably one of my favorite places I've ever lived. Uh, still routinely go back there when I'm visiting California. And going um, there in two weeks, by the way. Oh, are you really? Mm-hmm. Uh, around Thanksgiving time. Yep. I will be there that week. Oh, awesome. This is fantastic. This is mind-blowing, folks. We could have an episode together. How about that? Maybe. Oh, we didn't have one planned, but anyways, I don't want to get ahead of ourselves, but... Yeah, well, okay. We'll, yeah. we'll, we'll, yeah, we'll chat, but yeah, I will yeah. be back. For... Yeah, I have a I have a storied history in Huntington Beach, by the way, too. Maybe we got to discuss that sideline, but I came up with a lot of this project, actually, on the beach, in Huntington Beach, next to the pier. Really? Yeah. I, no, I had no idea about that. Yeah. Uh, Leanne's, uh, my wife's uh, brother lived down there. Um, him and his wife started there um, as engineers. And, uh, and um, yeah, we used to go visit there because it was a place to stay. I did, you know, all the, you know, CrossFit certifications way back in the day. I used to stay at his place and then go to different spots. Yeah. And it was interesting. I'm just curious around what, uh, what time, what, uh, <sighs> 2005, uh, six, seven, eight. Okay. Interesting. Interesting. Um, so yeah, I mean, like, like you were saying, that's, that's such a interesting, cool connection. I didn't realize that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, easily one of my favorite places ever, uh, yeah. grew up surfing, walking the pier, um, you know, and then now here I am in Northern Indiana and the beach is like an hour away. And of course it's like, you know, uh, it's a red flag when the, when the waves are at your knees and, uh, but you know, there's, there's like, there's a thing called third coast surf shop. And I'm like, where the, where the hell is anyone surfing, uh, around here? And apparently some days on Lake Michigan, when it's like stormy, people will, uh, okay. get out a surfboard and, you know, try it. But just going back to that conversation about like, uh, you know, what is it grounded in? And, you know, maybe people uh, now with TV and the internet, like seeing different things and kids wanting to express themselves in different ways. And are they bound by like, well, I, I live in Northern Indiana, so I have to be doing cross-country skiing. Or I, I just think there are these interesting um, questions around, um, you know, if you if you want to be part of that movement culture, do you need to then relocate to the new geography mm. um to get the real 
sense of it or do you just need to like visit and you know go to mecca so to speak and yeah, uh yeah. experience it and then come back or um but yeah i don't i don't know if you have any thoughts there but i mean that that applies to so many things whether it's snowboarding or surfing or i mean you you name it these things that were born different places i mean i probably one of the most famous ones that people are probably aware of to a certain extent you know yoga was not lululemon and mm-hmm. you know downward mm-hmm. dog and rodney what? i mean <laughs> Not, not to knock Rodney, I mean, you know, interesting and nice dude, but like, uh, you know, so many, you know, uh, breath practices and medit- I mean, so, so many, so much deep, rich tradition that has since turned into like this 9am class where you sign into mind body online and like that. Uh, and it was born out of this particular geography and then it got spread. So yeah, I don't, I don't know if you have any thoughts one way or the other on, on kind of how, something born out of a geography can spread and does that necessarily mean dilution or do we just happen to see that in certain ones or yeah i don't know if you have any thoughts one way or the other there geez no no just that it exists i mean it was my point i made earlier of like people you know really thinking they're doing yoga in in their room on a mat with lululemon on you know what i'm saying and there's there is some argument inside of that like is it really yoga because you just think you're doing it um Cause it doesn't go back to, I guess we'd say the, the grounded practice, but I, uh, no, I, I, uh, one thing that I thought about as you were saying that to add to it is that this is the interesting thing that comes into what I called the, the maximal physical expression or when those systems are really stressed, like it's really hard to, I think to use, and it's probably because I'm not uh, knowledgeable enough in the surfing area. And I probably didn't do a good job of it giving different geographies of surfing. So you know, we could say, uh, I think the skateboarding scene is a real, is a really cool area to go in for that. Right. So the reason being is that you can't virtual (laughs) virtual reality, your way through skateboarding. You know I mean? It's a, it's a physical practice that I'm sure, you know, you could say, uh, cause some skateboarding, some skateboarding folks would say the the longboard is my disdain that like I have for electric bikes, right? They're like, Oh man, <laughs> you know, don't get me going, you know, but, yeah. uh, but they have some good argument, right? They do. And, and it comes down to, well, how do you want to express with this board and these wheels based upon its grounded like elements? And, and they truly do believe in the years and years and years of practice required to get those skills. Right. And to be able to go through those repetitions and learn those things and develop this. Exp- so I think there's something in there, Robbie, that has to do with just actually how hard the physical practice is to your question on like, well, how, how can we, you know, disseminate that down or sorry, dilute it down into the, into the possibilities of being everywhere. I think right. that has, you know, that has some, uh, some bearing on it, I think, or a tiny, tiny bit of a bearing on can those things go like, and can skateboarding, let's just say its birth was, you know, you know, in a pool or a uh, empty pool in California somewhere. Can that just go everywhere? Well, it couldn't at Norlo Labrador in the winter, you know, so no, no matter what you think it was, you know, unless you got a huge house with a huge basement, you're indoors for seven months. So you can't even get it, get it built in an arena, let's say, or, or an open warehouse. Um, so I think it's got to do with the the intensity of that physical expression to answer your question on more thoughts around the dilution of those things across borders around the world. Yeah, no, I mean, that's, and that's a super interesting example, I think for a number of uh, reasons and that obviously they're kind of different eras of skateboarding and like 
I mean, I, I grew up in Southern California, I guess, right around the okay. time of like so sec, se, second wave yeah. skateboarding. Yeah. I mean, there's the stuff in the seventies, but then, you know, kind of the, um, X games and aggressive rollerblading <laughs> BMX biking and Dave, Dave the dancing in Venice beach was the best. <laughs> the guys doing the dancing and in place with the roll. That was the best. Sorry to take you off. No, 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 you're fine. Um, but yeah, I mean, that that's one where it, I think skateboarding is such an interesting example because, um, and, and you're right. It certainly can't be done everywhere. I feel like that one can get spread around more places without dilution. And partly because the geography is something man made, right? Like, yeah. By, by its very nature, like we're yeah. talking cities and rails and stairs and things like that, yeah. as opposed to waves or mountains or, but th- that is an interesting. Yeah. I was con- talking about, I think that the slight difference in expression. So it, it goes down to my point would be, and it's not the case, but yeah, you can take skateboarding to Tanzania, but I think it'll be longboarding for two decades. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. You know, they'll just be like going down the street on the skateboard that's like comes out of a pool in California. Right. So that's what I meant in terms of like, it's, it's, it's truest expression um, has to do with the intensity of that. So anyways, right. But I, 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 I get your point of uh, it going across, you know, all borders and uh, you know, that does bring us to, it it doesn't mean that's the area we wanted it to go, but well, it is something I wanted to come out with today was, an extraction of principles across the board, right? So, and I think it is, or, and I'm not mentioning this right now to kind of get to that being a summation point, but it's just movement expression. It's just done multiple different ways, but it's movement expression. And I think that's the tie that binds the whole thing. And then what that movement expression is, the intensity of it, the intentions, I think there's lots of conversation and big differences in geography based upon that. But we're all doing movement expression, you know, in if we were to tie it all together, we're not sitting still. So we are actually doing something with the body. I think that may bring us back to a, a binding thing for. The yeah. Like there. a commonality. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I think that's true. Um, one interesting thing I was struck by in this, I mean, this absolutely, you know, this is an area I, I uh, want to learn more about eventually. And, you know, if I uh, am not getting this correct, you know, please feel free to correct me or if anyone out there is listening and I'm not saying it correcting correctly, let us, let us know. But it, it struck me in looking at, or just doing some basic research on different movement practices across the globe. Um, how much of it, I guess, to put it in OPEX terms was much more in the uh, sustain realm rather than any sort of, uh, now, obviously, you know, when I say gain, I don't necessarily mean like barbell on your back and obviously the barbell is a relatively new invention, but yeah, as opposed to, um, Yeah, Yeah, just resistance. And there are certain cultures that, you know, stones and, and Mm -hmm. and things like that, but there are certain ones that where that, that isn't. So I just, I just initially, when I saw that, I was like, "Hmm, that's, that's just kind of an interesting thing. It's more on the sustained side than the resistance side. And does that have a bearing on anything? Yeah, no, that's a fascinating uh, insight that uh, I would also wholeheartedly agree based upon my observations. I could, I would only say, as I'm just thinking about that, you know, some reasoning behind that, I think it may have to do with the intensity and the, uh, the ability of people, no matter where they are in geography to 
maybe experience a little bit of nature and experience nature about how people see that today. You know, like you and I know that people can go out in nature and experience lifting rocks. It's just that it just hasn't been in practice for so long. So it may not seem like it's something that's worthwhile doing. Whereas going for a hike that, you know, just <laughs> goes down so many different versions of that, you know? Um, and I think it just may be that, that, uh, based upon those local areas and geography, people may just want to have this opportunity to be mobile and just move around and move around in nature and experience that. And then it turns into the, all these, you know, these different versions, cycling through it, kayaking through it, hiking through it, um, electric biking through it. No, we're going to have, we're going to have an electric bike snipers not, not with bullets. We're not going to kill anyone. We're going to have, well, eat the wheels. EM- EMPs. Take out the wheels. Well, you, you, you could do with an EMP. That way you wouldn't have to distinguish. Between, so with a real bike, an electromagnetic pulse isn't going to do anything. So with an electric bike, so just good. knocks it right out there. That's so good. <laughs> I'll, be, I'll, be, I'll be clumped into the, uh, Cuban, the Cuban disease you know, crisis thing that's going on. A conspiracy of 5G and a whole bunch of other shit once I get down that road. So... I'll know what I'm getting into. <clears throat> I don't know what just and happened. We have a particular report, uh, a number of electric bike vehicles in Scottsdale, Arizona. You know, everyone across the planet will be like, <laughs> know what's going on. It'll be, it'll be the back Batman, of this, so big, like... <laughs> this big, huge <laughs> electromagnetic plate just focusing on people going up the hill in my backyard. You know, they're just like, oh, oh, oh. Well, you are you are just have to use your human. You're gonna have to use your human power. (laughs) You are justice and vengeance for uh, electric bikes. (laughs) Batman just. (laughs) Oh, it's so good. Uh, Thank you for that. No, thank you. Um, There was something I was going to mention on the uh, the resistance. Oh yeah, another thing on the resistance and side of things one thing i remember being struck by when i when i uh, lived over in germany for a bit someone else was mentioning something similar to this like why is it that in um america today at least at the moment um you know strength and bigger muscles and you know barbell training and resistance training whereas in like uh france for example i mean this is stereotype and obviously it doesn't apply to everyone but they were they were saying something like um you know French men don't like to be overmuscled. Let's put it that way. Yeah. Yeah. Um, just just interesting um questions around like uh you know, and again, that's that's partly geography, partly culture, but um just you know, and why why in the Nordic countries are um that particular geography or you know, Scotland and things like that, uh why are strength sports more um prevalent, you know, just kind of an interesting question. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, no, it does raise a lot of, uh, I, I call them super interesting uh, areas without stereotyping. It's just like what has been observed, you know, in practice, right. you know, so, um, and I don't know, I don't know if it, it, you know, be that way, but, you know, as soon as you said uh, the French, um, I remember following and I should have had their names on hand, but there was a number of French uh, bodybuilders uh, back in that era in the eighties, I remember and nineties 
that uh, were well-versed at, you know, different kinds of, you know, they'd show up at the world level, you know, bodybuilding championships and et cetera. It doesn't mean of course, that it's a, it's a point in time. That's a reflection of what's, what's in that arena. I would say it was definitely more grandiose in, in the uh, let's call it the North American project, I guess, in the seventies around the body beautiful and, and et cetera. You do raise an interesting question as to why that, you know, case may be, but it also does tell us why across the board, maybe in the U S in geography, we have just a lot of different options because it's a, it's a blend of a bunch of different individuals, right. With, with numerous different landscapes and numerous different, um, you know what I mean? Like, like fucking Colorado is not Florida, you know, it's like, gosh. And so therefore, you know, temperature and latitude and, you know, uh, politics and everything, it should make sense that you're going to have multiple different expressions, you know, uh, of let's just call it in two extremes, you know, really elite, you know, endurance athletes in cycling and running in one area in Colorado, obviously. And you may have people, I don't know who, uh, who are great ocean swimmers. I'm just fucking, that's bad for Florida, but I'm just saying like, what's, what's necessarily right there, you know? Um, or flatland cycling <laughs> or cycling across a swamp or something. I don't know. Um, so that, that kind of makes sense when you, when you take that into consideration. I, uh, but I do, I, I love that, that thing. I had discussed this uh, with uh, the epige- epigenetic uh, KPIs or what I call global KPIs and mixed modal that you know, and you, if you go back and look at, you extract and rip apart all the, uh, the finishing scores and times, et cetera, perk. I just took one area, one, one group of individuals. Those were the female Icelandic, uh, athletes. And you looked at power output performance, you know, scoring, et cetera, across the board. And then you compare them like per capita amongst those scorings, right? You can't turn your back on that obvious, obvious thing. It's just like, okay. And so my whole point that I just proposed was there's definitely an epigenetic thing to be said, which does include geography, culture, uh, upbringing, the, you know, the Annie, (laughs) the Annie paradox, I guess you could call it. Like, it's just the, all things coming together at a certain time, which does go into your conversation, right? I mean, those particular individuals and their success and the capabilities, there's a number of things leading to that, but geography is one of those that we don't want to turn our back on. And it is completely different than, I don't know, let me look here, uh, you know, uh, East coast, Brazil females per capita and their success and power output in the sport. Like, I mean, it's just like, Oh, it's because you know, the sport is not there. It's like, okay. Even if it does go there, if for 10 years, I don't think you'll see the same thing happening. So there's something to be said about that. And which is parallel to your point, right. Of the, right. the strong man, uh, you know, the Magnus for Magnus. And I still have a, a, a picture taken with him at uh, a Swiss conference. <laughs> oh, I look so small. <laughs> oh man. Um, <laughs> that's, that's a man. <laughs> the guy was was all man he was big but um you know but you got to say like well you know why and i think you do have to tie in things like if there's a number of them there 
um, you know, what's their deep lineage, right? The deep Nordic lineage. Um, and then what were they, you know, what were they living for? What was the reason behind it? How did they participate in recreational leisure activities for periods of time? Um, I think you're gonna, gonna start landing on things that make sense for your commentary on why that's a big proponent there. And it's not quote unquote in France, right? As an example, across the board, right? It's not, you can't find some, you know, as at my point previous, you know, strong men, a lot of strong men in France, you know, quote unquote, strong men in terms of competition. But again, you're going to land on that same thing that I found. It's just per capita based upon it. It's like, eh, it's a big difference. So I don't know if there's anything more to chew on based upon that. No, I mean, that, that makes a lot of sense. I mean, I, I remember hearing a similar thing in reverse. And of course, this is a gross overgeneralization and it's, it's changed a lot in America, but you know, part of the reason for kind of the the Nordic country effect and and cross the CrossFit and strongman and stuff like that, or particularly on the women's side of things, was just culturally there wasn't like this fear of being like an overmuscled woman, mm. as in like America. You know, I mean that 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 has started to change with like strong as the new skinny, and I mean there are problems with that too. But you, you know what I'm saying? Like there are these yeah. cultural differences where like. No, for sure. Oh, what's what's wrong with women having it exists or being, or being strong or yeah. you know you know what I mean like, mm-hmm. um, and then other places where that's not you know, for whatever reason oh that's not feminine yeah or what have you so um, yeah. just interesting those, um, those differences. Yeah, um, I think uh, I think it, it I think that's how it was expressed to the Icelandic women like that's how they would speak about it they just spoke about it differently or viewed it and perceived it differently I think than other populations but it is something to be said I do believe about going about asking that question Robbie why do they think that it's perceived as like a virtue which I believe a virtuous concept of challenge yourself challenging yourself physically and not even being concerned about others perceptions of what that looks like on the outcome you know what I'm saying I think the better question is which I posited some ideas based upon just some indirect connections I had with the changes in government and the changes in culture in the 80s and 90s in Iceland. If you go back and look at it, and then you're thinking like, okay, well, this is the offspring from the people that made those massive changes in that period of time. I think then you'll start tiptoeing to like, well, this is perception, right? This is the perception based upon how you want to express yourself physically and to make it very reductionist in language. They don't give a fuck. It's like, fucking go out there and be yourself and no one gives a shit <laughs> about, you know, how you're going to be perceived. Whereas maybe in other societies, it was already embedded inside is like, well, be careful. Someone's going to be perceive you differently based upon your expression in that particular thing. And now you've got this like, eh, this discomfort around going towards that maximal expression because people are thinking they're going to be judged on how it looks for the outcomes of that. Yeah. And that's, that's super interesting. And, you know, I, I put, in the outline, like you mentioned earlier, I went to the SCP and the Stanford Encyclopedia for Philosophy and was typing in geography just to see if there was anything. And I think what you just brought up goes to this potentially interesting question. I don't don't know how much research there's been on this, but it's a question of like, how does geography affect personality and temperament? And then how does that affect, you know, fitness? Like, would you still be the James you are currently if you grew up in Scottsdale Mm. versus Labrador? Yeah. and do places that are more winter based where they don't, they're not in a bikini all the time do yeah. they care as much as about a, as appear a, as much about appearance. And are they more like, eh, I don't really give a, you know, I'm, mm-hmm. I, I, so 
Um, yeah, I, I feel like that's an interesting question. I don't quite know the answer. I feel like if you asked me intuitively, I feel like there probably is something to that. I think there is probably a difference of people who grow up in, you know, deep, bitter, cold, um, and have to like live through that versus someone who grew up on a beach or something like that. Um, I think it makes sense. Yeah. You know, I, I just, I come back to the idea of, um, you can't stay still in a colder climate. You got to keep moving. Yeah. You know, whereas, and I just thought of two interesting points of like, you know, bringing myself back to, and I'll use myself as an example. So we don't get into the discomfort of different geographies and then attaching it to culturals and then stereotyping based upon those people and how they express themselves um, was, you know, uh, after school doing soccer practice, right. In, in Labrador in uh, late September. Right. So without anyone knowing what that means, it's fucking gross, wet, cold, and it's, it's just shitty. It's the shittiest of shitty, but Hey, we got two hours to do this thing. Right. And so I can, I'm just seeing ourselves like just nonstop action, even like to listen to the coach, we would listen to them as they're doing drills to get ready for the next drill. Like you're just, you're just always moving and shaking and like, you know, doing shit and uh, being still was the death was like, it, you know, being on the sidelines, people hated it. You got to get subbed off. We used to go in people's cars that used to stay running to keep us warm. So it's just something to think about for how that's expressed. Now, come down to circa 2011 in Scottsdale, Arizona, and I'm partaking in this personal goal to be uh, really good at 800 meters, right? And I start seeing myself taking on, I'll just call it for what it is, a, uh, it's, the, it's the, uh, the ethos, if it's called that, inside of a local a group called Altus and all of their elite track athletes that specifically would come from the Jamaican area, the, just those particular areas, and seeing myself like doing some shit and just fucking hanging out walking around on the track, just fucking sitting still <laughs> contemplating and then building up energy and then doing it again. And then just like, you know, sitting still moving around, listening to some tunes. Do, do you see what I'm saying? That's a, that's a, that's the same thing in physical expression, but I think it's geography that largely builds that it does. So I think I would agree with you that there is something to that of that movement. And I also took it to more of a, let's call it a, uh, a pre-modern concept of physical expression of, um, you know, in, in especially the groups that I've uh, studied for, you know, as we mentioned with uh, civilization growth, um, those in the equatorial climates, um, they weren't acting like those who had snowshoes on at, uh, in, in Northern Labrador. Do you know what I mean? It's, it's not the same daily practice. Right. You were on the move nonstop, you know, moving around in northern Labrador, whereas you were in shade, you know, and doing the least amount of work possible as to not overheat in the equatorial locations. Right. You know, see what I'm saying? So I think there's something to that, right? Um, yeah. in terms of the activity and the daily leisure and physical expression based upon it. Um no, yeah, I, I I would agree with that. And I think those are good examples. And I think I remember John Wellborn at a seminar once. Um he was talking about how like noticing and, you know, part of this is cultural, but I do think part of it is geographical, like 
um, like the work ethic of people from the Midwest versus maybe Southern California or something mm-hmm. like that. Now mm-hmm. I get, I, <laughs> I mean, I, I was born on the East coast. Yeah. I guess. Cause I've moved. Yeah. I was born on the East coast, moved to Dallas and then grew up for a bit in Southern California. But I mean, you get to see these differences among places and um, uh, yeah, just this notion of like, yeah, if you have to survive shitty winters or something like that versus, you know, Southern California is awesome in a lot of ways, but it's also like people become weather wimps and, uh, you know, can't deal with anything below 60 degrees. And um, it's just, uh, it's, it's interesting how those differences carve uh, the culture in certain ways, but also, you know, fitness practices and temperament and character and yeah. things like that. Yeah. My gosh, I could, uh, I could agree with that. I, I keep saying that myself, I've become uh less resilient, you know, as a, I can't even make the claim, um, that I have those uh, Canadian strengths in me anymore, you know, cause gets the different variations in temperature here. And I, you know, immediately inside are like, Ooh, you know, that's a little chilly. And I keep saying to myself, come on, man, <laughs> you had, you had 20 years of that. You had 20 years of that. It was far more extreme and you did okay. You know, how, how, how really bad is it? You know? as I jump in my nice pool in my backyard that I'm complaining is 66 degrees now. Right. It's like, Ooh, that's chilly. I told my girls supper time. Yes. I was like, well, if you want to get a good, uh, uh, a good shakeup, there'd be now the jump into the pool, you know? And I'm thinking that's a problem. People are like, what? 66. That'd be fantastic for swimming. I'm like, no, I'm like barely hanging on in 66 down the pool. Well, when it's what, uh, the most over a hundred degree days, like in the nation. Then- yeah. That probably excuse you. Yeah, for sure. Right. But I mean, yeah. it just goes to show that that's it's, it's Arizona, which is to, to my point as geography, like it does have an impact based upon people's physical expression. You know, I just thought about that this weekend too, of, uh, no, not this weekend. It was yesterday. Cause I, I thought we were, I was off yesterday. So I felt that was weekend, but I went for a hike, um, six, six total miles or three miles in one particular direction. Um, it just goes to show how freaking far back, you know, the, how you can get lost. I don't know if you remember me mentioning that you can get lost way back behind my house in the McDowell mountains. It's just so much, so much beautiful, beautiful hiking back there. Anyways, I went back there. Um, and I was thinking about that. I was like, geez, this is the first time this year, quote unquote, you know, since, well, not first time this year, but it's first time in six months that I could actually do that. Meaning I could have done it, you know, let's say a month ago, but I would have been like taking numerous stops throughout to find shade. I would have had to pack in a bunch of water bottles and possibly some electrolyte. Do you know what I'm saying? So the, you know, it's based upon geography. It's just too hot to do that actual practice. So I was thinking about it like, well, what have I done in the interim? You know what I've done? I was on the skier indoors. You know why? Cause it's a nice, comfortable, <laughs> right. nice, comfortable uh, temperature. And anyhow, it just makes people recognize how maybe we could all grow our minds to appreciate the variances that people have available to them for movement expression and daily movement practices and just take that into consideration, I think, for uh, for geography. Because um, we could discuss, you know, my friend uh, Adam Castillo, who was an owner of an OPEX gym in uh, Riverdale, in, uh, Riverdale uh, excerpt of New York City. I mean, it's a concrete jungle there. I mean, it's like, what, what is, what is the environment, you know, what is the environment conducive to being in nature and, 
and going for a walk, et cetera. You've heard my point made on Wednesday based upon that, right? People using that as an excuse to not, not get out and be mobile. Um, so yeah, we got to take that into consideration. When I was in college, I would walk from uh, 120th street in New York, all the way down to battery park, which is probably like six, seven miles nice. through central park. Nice. But, uh, that was in that was in Timberlands and <laughs> probably did not do wonderful things for my gates and my arches and uh, whatnot. But you were uh but you were doing some of those things I talked about. Yeah. You know, of just you know, you're like, why are you walking? Just I mean, just because I can, you know, I'm capable of doing it and I gotta go to that location. You know, see it's it's like, oh, you know, are you got your heart rate tied to it? Do you know what your you know total energy expenditure is? Like, not really, not at all. But uh, I know that I'm expressing myself physically to do that particular thing, you know? Yeah, that's something you're just kind of driven to or you know, primarily kind of in you. Um, so I guess one other thing I was going to mention is, um, you know, I was trying to think through different, I think fitness maybe occupies a middle place here in these um, geographical differences that we might look at. So you know, you might say things like food, language, and art are kind of, yeah, it's interesting, but ultimately not, not very meaningful, these differences in geography. And then there are things like religion, morality, and politics where, um, yeah, I mean, specifically for like, let's take religion, for example, that, that in, in philosophy, that is a huge issue. Like you can't just get around the fact, oh, well, if there's supposedly one ultimate truth, like in these things, these you know, different religions are saying different, fundamentally different things. Like that's a problem. That's that, yeah. that, that does, that does bear on um, the truth of that. I, I think based on what we've been discussing today, fitness kind of occupies um, a middle ground, maybe in those geographical differences where it's certainly not trivial. It's certainly not unimportant. It, it certainly has things that we can glean from it, but I don't know that it rises to the level and, you know, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I, I, I don't know that either of us would say that it rises quite to the level of where we could say, well, you know, Tai Chi is uh, better than cross-country skiing or so something to that effect. We don't, we don't quite get that normativity out of it, that strong normativity, uh, but interesting differences nonetheless. Yeah, no, I would agree. I would agree. It doesn't, uh, it do I don't think it does do that or cause that conundrum like you supplanted with the religion conundrum. I don't think it, yeah. I don't think it, uh, it, it gets there. Um, I'm just trying to take a second to think about how it might get there, but <laughs> not, not in how I'm holding it. No. I mean, maybe what it does is the reverse. I mean, it's not, you know, with religion, the issue is that the differences have very severe consequences for truth. Yeah. You know, maybe what we've been discussing is the similarities have consequences for the truth of fitness. Yes, uh, no doubt. I love how you turn that. It's yep. the, uh, it's the movement expression and finding a way to, you know, locomote through yeah. nature. And um, yeah. Yeah. Like a, you know, a push up in Singapore is, is a push up in Scottsdale. Right. Yes. Yeah. That's it. And that's the tie. It's that's the bind right there. Right. It's just movement expression and what that is. And could we see some of the similarities across the board in terms of that movement expression? Um, but I think, you know, we did bring up some interesting things that I, I, of course, I'm biased on just keep thinking about the intentions and the inside of that expression, 
right? What, what are the intentions inside of that expression? And uh, just appreciate the variances and in intentions in, inside of that expression across geographies. I think that's that's the point I want to want to reason why I brought it up and the reason why I thought we should chat on it. I just find it extremely interesting, and I think it's it's mind opening for a lot of coaches, uh, really, because uh, I think we just get stuck in this lane that it's going to be like Coach RX, and we all got pulleys, and we all have dumbbells, and we're going to have mixed mode aerobic work on the next day. Um, and we just have to remember that that is just one particular way of expressing the exact same thing done with push-ups and walking around the F1 circuit in Singapore. It's the same fucking thing, you know? Yeah. But you mean not everyone has access to dumbbells and that pull down <laughs> and the treadmill? No? Possibly. Yeah. 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 And of course thinking- then, you know, how do we, how do we look across the whole map, you know? And say, well, you know, how how could we how could we start the process of making people, which which is my whole big project, right? Trying to get people to recognize what are the principles amongst all that movement expression, you know, and and where you are geographically, and and hopefully not allow, you know, um, the things that uh, not allow that to happen, whether it's culture or politics, religion or something, to get in the way of that because we're believing that it's that expression of uh, what we're calling, you know, patterns one day and pacing the next, as an example, um, should be, uh, should be positive to everyone. Yeah, no, agreed. I was thinking after your talk on Wednesday that maybe as like a um, April fool's joke in uh, coach RX, <laughs> you should have it where anything that someone has programmed, anything that any coach has programmed in coach RX as sustain immediately gets changed to walking. And then anything that's gained like, gets to push up a rocks. And then on April 2nd, you're like, no, that wasn't a joke. That's just, <laughs> that's just going forward. Uh, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, push up and rocks. Yeah. Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday walking. Yeah. I actually found a lot of really cool rocks yesterday. You know, when you, you know, you, you say something and, uh, immediately going in, I mean, I have my own little mantras that I do prior to hiking, but, um, and I learned that if anyone's interested, you can, you know, talk to me off- offline about it, um, in, uh, digging into some, uh, eco, uh, psychology texts and eco psychology reading. Um, anyways, when you open your eyes to it, especially in my neck of the woods, um, just cause you mentioned rocks and lifting rocks. I mean, there really is uh, an unbelievable opportunity to express yourself physically in the resistance element um, in the outdoors. Um, and I just, you know, now that I, you know, really, really looking at it with a fine eye, you know, um, I'm just saying I just had numerous opportunities yesterday with that period of time to to just do what would be considered some form of resistance. Anyways, just want to add that point. Interesting. Yeah. It'd be, it'd be interesting to know, like, uh, kind of like we were saying earlier about, and again, this could just be my ignorance on the topic, but just what, um, you know, we were talking about how globally it seems like a lot of the practices you see and read about are more in the kind of sustain or, you know, pacing uh, variety. And, you know, just, I don't know if anyone's ever done a history on like, uh, resistance practices of different cultures and what, what they used. And, yep. you know, <clears throat> Yet there is a, there's a book called uh, Lift, which um, 
damn, how embarrassing because he's such a great, a great person. I met him, I met him in person through CrossFit NYC, I believe Daniel, anyways, it's called lift. It's a great book. Um, and then I would get into, um, uh, if they can get any old iron mind, uh, uh, books or just, just Google iron mind and go down the rabbit hole of the, the, uh, quasi strongman style old resistance you can see they 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 go into that area they do like uh cultural you know representations of what their thing was further back this is where i got all the information of that historical context of you know the circus man and the 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 the, the uh, soldier and the sporting athlete. And it was really those three at one point in time, they were the only things, right. And that grew out calisthenics and a bunch of other stuff. Um, anyways, just to, just to say that there's lots of stuff out there we can read to get back to the, to the resistance aspect, um, and where it moved, you know, where it moved, I would say from something that was just done day to day for labor, it moved through into this, like, uh, performative area, uh, because humans were like, Oh, holy shit, we can do these things. And then it moved into like a, you know, um, a sport and then attention seeking concept because we didn't actually require it in a day to day for a lot of things. I think automation and industry had a big part to play with that. You know, you, we now have, uh, I guess as easy as it's for using Wendell Berry's commentary. I wish I had a quote from his book cause it would seem so smart, but, um, you know, those bales of hay are just moved by machines now. That's the, there's, there's the, the sanguine answer to that. To that. Right. <laughs> there's so much in one sentence, right? No, that's, that's super, yeah, that's super interesting. But even, even those kind of going back to, again, I, I, I'm still fascinated by this. I want to do more digging, but um, going back even further, like the bales of hay were, evolutionary novel and like even those like on, on a time scale of like farming yeah you know, what, what was resistance before that um, yeah before that man and it uh, i could only gleam uh um the uh throwing of rocks throwing of spears um you know combat to to get resources from the environment i'm just using like a you know hunter gatherer approach um right. building That's things building things, you know, yeah. uh, that would be it. Yeah. Wrestling, like pushing someone away or pushing someone off you or getting up off the ground or yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Interesting. And the practice of that, right. For, you know, but I think in a hundred, hundred gatherer, probably only through civilization is where we had like the actual manufactured practice of a thousand people doing, uh, military practices. Right. Right. you go back and study, which I haven't done a deep dive enough, but I have this great book. I just picked up the mythologies around the birth of the ninja warrior. Um, it gives a lot of really cool information as to how, you know, where that came from in from war times and just daily physical practices and, and the weird intertwining of that. Right. You know, like, it's like, Oh, we can practice these things. And now you gotta, you know, take care of this guy, you know? Um, so I think that's, that's probably a time through civilization where we got to this, let's call it rough housing, which is the classical terminology of that moved into like the practice of rough housing, right. you know? Um, and uh, at the same time, it would have been the, the Greek uh, wrestling, um, you know, times, which were fascinating itself. 
Um, but yeah, prior to that, probably wasn't even, it was just uh, building homes or, or building shelters or, uh, um, you know, activities that were necessary in order to uh, feed. Yeah. I mean, dragging a kill, maybe. Yep. 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 Or the process of, you know, being able to kill that thing, you know, is yeah. very adrenaline producing and, you know, probably uh, violent, you know, yeah. which requires some uh, quote unquote resistance in some way, shape or form. Ground to shoulder. <laughs> there we go, James. Don't, don't say, don't say the game's are fun. You're going Paul check on me now. Cause that's his exact pictures. He had like the spear in the pitcher. Uh, or the, the the big thing, and then he had the animal up on his shoulder, and he was lunging with it. <laughs> oh, and no one lunged with the carcass. Yeah, no that that part. They, they actually packaged that up and called everyone over. Everyone take a small piece of this and bring it back. You know, snatch it overhead. <laughs> yeah, the picture. The uh, oh, this is the biggest one, worst one. The electric bike overhead squad. Oh man. On top of a mountain. <clears throat> Do you know who uh, Chris Duffin is? No. Uh, like Kabuki Strength, any of that stuff? I know that. I know Kabuki Strength. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's like the founder of that, or one of the okay. founders of that. Anyway, he's he's got like a funny thing where like he he hates 35-pound plates. You know, they're useless. <laughs> like, you know, keep the 25s and the 45s. You, you should have a thing like... No I like them already. <laughs> Just just death to electric bikes and like, yeah, <laughs> just shirts and hashtags that, uh, but it's like uh, one of his, it's completely, well, it's not completely tangential, but it's tangential to what he does, but it's like one of his most popular, like people just get a kick out of it. So Oh, good, good. I'll keep going on the bikes then. Yeah. yeah. Maybe we'll meet up sometime and uh, berate to the same audience. Yeah. They're the same people. Yeah. They're the yeah. same people. <laughs> and people who like 35s, people who like electric bikes. So. Yeah. Uh, maybe I can be on his uh, memes generated one time. Oh yeah, definitely. similar groups. Definitely. Well, I think we did a pretty good job of getting to everything we wanted to today. So I guess just to yeah. wrap it all up, we were, you know, initially asking like, why even bother talking about this, and you know, uh, talking about how historians and sociologists um, look at the facts of differences and cultures, and then we were asking more of the normative question, like what can we gain from looking at these? Like what, what sort of impact does this have on, you know, how we practice fitness today? And I think the eventual answer we came around to is that this occupies some middle space where it isn't quite a historical or cultural or geographical triviality, but it doesn't quite rise to the level of like differences in religion, morality or politics. And that um, it's not so much the differences that are quite so important, but the commonalities that ultimately bear on movement practice for today yes beautiful summary on uh, what i was hoping to get from it too the more you know <laughs> do you remember those commercials <laughs> <laughs> that should come across the screen we really need to up our game as you were saying that <laughs> yeah it should be playing like down here in the corner <laughs> yeah. like the gi joe cartoons and that's half the battle <laughs> no it's half the battle <laughs> It made it seem so real. Uh, so what are we talking about here again? It's toy, right? <laughs> yeah. Uh, I enjoyed that. Yeah, I think that was a good conversation. Yeah, that was good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thanks again. All right. Thank you so much, James. I'll see you next time. See you.